All right, we are at Calvary. If you've been with us, you know this. We're in, I'm in a bit of a series talking about basic stuff from following Jesus, basic stuff of the Bible, basic stuff of being a Christian. And so today I want to talk about it's the Spirit. It's about the Spirit. What is Christianity all about? Well, it's about the Spirit of God. That's what I want to say this morning. And the big idea is that um, as Christians, we must be putting sin to death by the Spirit of our Father. That's the big idea. As Christians, we must be putting sin to death by the Spirit of our Father. So kids, I need your help today. If you're wondering if you're a kid or not, if you didn't drive to church today and you, because you couldn't, you're in that category for me. Okay? If you don't have official license um, to drive, then you're in that, that category. And I'm going to just say kid. I'm not going to say um, infants, children, uh, kids, young adults, adolescents, and preteens and postteens. I'm not going to go through all the, the different permutations. I'm just going to say kids, and if that's you, that's you. I need your help, okay? Okay? Thank you very much. Tony, you've got to walk in the truth. Don't pretend to be a kid. Whenever I say we must be putting sin to death, I want you to say, Hiya! That's kind of like it, okay? So as Christians, we must be putting sin to death? Okay, because that is the sound of doing a neck chop. Okay, and if you neck chop somebody, they're down. They're down. They're down for a while. They're down permanently. One of those two things. So you're going to help everybody by just putting that exclamation mark on this truth that we must be putting sin to death. Oh, we, got, we can do better than that, kids. I'm going to need your attention. You're going to have to be tracking with me. Or if mom and dad elbows you at any time, or auntie or uncle, or grandma or grandpa, you just shout out hi right there. Okay. We must be putting sin to death. Thank you very much. I may regret that I've initiated this. <laughs> but we'll take the risk. Okay, can I get my next slide here? Just to review, because it's so good. We have had four messages in this series so far, and we've just been talking about the basics of being a Christian from the book of Romans. And where we started, we were saying, what's it all about being a Christian? Well, it's about faith. And our key verse was this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For everyone to have, who has faith. And what we've been saying is that Christianity or believing in Jesus or following Jesus is totally unique in the world because nobody else is saying you can have it all by trusting in Jesus. Just by trust. By this committed trust, this loyal trust, this looking to Christ, you get it all. It's all by faith. And this is totally unique in the world. There's no other religion, there's no other philosophy, not even atheism or agnosticism or whatever they're cooking up in Parliament these days. We do not work by a, you can have all the glory of God by having simple but true faith in His Son. It doesn't work anywhere else. This is the only place in the universe. And Christian, you can have it all by looking to Jesus and believing in Him. This is how you get in. This is how you stay in. This is how you run your race. This is how you finish your race. We're looking to Jesus. We're looking to Jesus. We're looking to Jesus. And then we said that Christianity is all about sin. It's about 
realizing there is a thing called sin, it's seeing how terrible and pervasive sin is, and for effectively dealing with human sin. And our core verse for that message was this, for all have sinned, meaning all human beings, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified or made right with God by his grace as a gift through redemption, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus to be received by faith. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't just let it end there. I needed to dot, 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 and then get the faith part in there again. Because how are you right with God? Oh, oh, oh. Do I have to go, just go back to the first message on here? I, I trained you, adults. We trained this. We worked this before, right? So, you know, if we, if we practice, I expect it to be able to happen anytime for the rest of your life. We are made right with God. How, adults? Thank you very much. You're saying that like it's, uh, this is a punishment to get you to tell you how you're saved. And then we went on to say that it's all about joy. That God's intention for the people who come to Jesus by faith and are saved by his grace as a free gift to not live a life of grumpiness and to not live a life of feeling self-righteous and superior to other people, but just to have massive joy in God. This is God's desire. What does he want to happen when we come to him by faith in his son, Jesus Christ? Joy, 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 joy. Happy people, including being happy and, sorry, being joyful in the midst of sufferings, which is the time when you think you can't have joy. The gospel is the way through Jesus and the Holy Spirit to have real joy in God all the time, including in our sufferings because we know that God is doing good things in the midst of our sufferings. And then last time when I spoke, it was during our baptism Sunday, and we talked about how being a Christian is all about having a real life, having true life. And we talked about how um, in this verse, which, sorry, I missed the reference, I think this is Romans 6, verses 1 to 4. Let's go back, go back, go back. Thank you very much. We were buried with Christ by baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. And the thing that I was emphasizing is that by faith in Jesus, we are actually united with him. We become one with him in the Holy Spirit. And so his death counts for us and his resurrection life counts for us. And we have a real life because we are one with Jesus. And the old person is gone and the new person is here. And today I want to talk about the Spirit from Romans chapter 8. Let's get the next slide here. And you don't have to stand, but if you want to read this with me, I would encourage all of us to read this out loud, okay? So, one, two, three. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father." The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Father, I'm going to need your help today.
We're going to need your help. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would come to bring you glory in a fresh way. I know you have been here. But, Lord, with a new supply, I pray you'd give grace to the children to just, as they're doing their things, to absorb this truth and to be hearing things and talking to their family about it later. And, Lord, I pray you'd help us adults to see and hear this afresh. Lord, maybe we've never gotten this. Maybe we've heard this before. I, don't, I pray that nothing would keep us from being massively impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit as Christians and that we would get what you're saying to us out of this scripture and that you'd help me be a true servant. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm taking from verse 13 it is, I believe, where it says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is my core. This is why I'm saying that as Christians we must be putting to death our sins by the Spirit of our Father. I'm going to say it one more time. So Christians and children Christians, we must be putting our sin to death by the Spirit of our fathers. Hiya, there we go. Somebody's leading the way on that one. And I'm going to give us a series of reasons. Number one, because there's two yous. In Jesus, there's two yous. There's an old you and a new you. And the new you is the true you. And the old you needs a chop to the throat. Hiya. Now, this is, this is an interesting reality, and as Christians, we need to get this. I told you two weeks ago, and I'm affirming again today, that if you are in Christ, you are united with him, and you have died with him, and you've risen from the grave again. Has anybody here ever felt like they've never died to their sin before, though? You're a Christian, but it doesn't always feel like you've died to your sin. Can somebody just nod? Sometimes it feels like that sin is pretty, pretty around still, like it's pretty, pretty alive still. Um, that, that is a common experience. That is the Christian experience. To be told you're dead to your sin, but it still feel like it's quite around and kicking and sometimes very strong and undeniable and overpowering. And part of what's going on is that, you know, people can be somewhat conflicted in their intentions sometimes. Um, I had this experience where I was just trying to go a day without eating sweets. Okay, I thought, I should do that once in my life. I want to get it over sooner rather than later. So I thought, maybe I just won't eat sweets. And so I came home a little bit hungry, probably didn't have the biggest lunch at work. And before I knew it, I had a handful of chocolate chips in my mouth, which on any other day is just good. Okay, that's just good, 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 good. But here I am, there's chocolate bits in my teeth, and I'm going, I wasn't going to do that. And we can be divided in our intentions. But even deeper than this, we're in an in-between time of our transformation as Christians. Before we came to Christ, before we were born again, we were just sinners. That's it. And there will be a day when Christ returns and we get our resurrection bodies where we will have no more experience of sin and we will be incapable of sinning and we won't even be able to be really tempted anymore because sin will be decisively defeated and gone. And in between those times, we live in the in-between times 
where we have this new nature which is connected with Christ and united with Christ and dead to sin, but there's also the old Robert Balfour kicking around. And Paul in Colossians says it really clearly. He says, stop lying to one another. This is um, Colossians 9 and 10. He says, stop lying to one another because you have put off your old self and put on your new self, which is being recreated in the likeness of its maker, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, there's an old you and there's a new you. You got to kill the old you and really embrace the new you. When it comes to the old you, you need to kill that sin. Children? Yes! Next chop. Now, I just want to exclamation mark this one. If you're a Christian, your reality is there's two yous. There's the old you that's in the flesh, and there's the new you that's in the spirit. And in the Bible, the flesh generally, not always, sometimes it just means meat, means this stuff, but generally it means that old way of doing life before you knew God. It's the Romans chapter 1, sinners, um, we love unrighteousness, we love ungodliness, and we love suppressing the truth. And that is what the flesh wants to do. It wants you to embrace sin, and it wants to lie to you and make you deceived. That's how the flesh works. It tells lies. It gets us to believe lies. When we are believing lies about God or lies about ourselves, that is the flesh in action. And the flesh reminds me of a zombie. Anybody heard of zombies before? I literally hate zombies, so I'll never watch another zombie movie, and I just, I just don't like them, but they're a great metaphor for the flesh because they're disgusting and evil, just like the flesh. And zombies come out of kind of like, I think, Haitian voodoo culture where there was this worry that witch doctors would raise corpses from the dead to wander around and do their bidding. And so it's this picture of this like dead corpse that in movies just goes like, brains, and they, they stumble around, they can't bend their knees, I don't know why, like they can move their hips fairly fluidly, but uh, they do this, and then if they catch you, they grab you like this, and then, then all of a sudden they've got a little action, they go, rah, 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 and they jump on you and they try to eat your brain, right? Disgusting picture, don't watch the movies, but it's a great metaphor for what the flesh is. Your old self is a zombie, it's zombie you. It wanders around, rah, And it wants to grab you and eat your brain. It wants to cause you to think wrong about God and to think wrong about yourself and out of that to obey the will of Satan and obey the will of sin and the flesh. That's It's zombie you. And so we're called as Christians to gas up the chainsaw of the spirit and when and be living, walking in the spirit, being, being busy about life. But when zombie Rob shuffles up, I'm supposed to... You know, you don't do right at the tip because then it'll, it'll kick up at you. You gotta get it right near the base and really lean into that thing. Na, 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 na. And it's messy. Fighting your sin is messy business. It's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be a mess. But you gotta lean into that thing with this chainsaw of the Spirit. They didn't have swords back in the New Testament, but I'm pretty sure if the Apostle Paul knew what a chainsaw was, he would have said, Wielding the chainsaw of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Because it does a lot more damage. We must be putting sin to death by the Spirit of our Father because we have an old self that needs to be fought and made weak and resisted 
and we have a new self who is united with Christ that needs to be encouraged, freed, believed in, and walked out. We also need to put sin to death. Children? Thank you. Children and helpers? By the Spirit of our Father, because we have an obligation. Okay, so this is, let's go two points. One point. There we go. One more. Because we have an obligation. This is what the Scripture says. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. It's not our job to just stand around waiting for the flesh to come and eat our brains. You don't, there, there's nothing anywhere that says you have to let that happen. There's no legal requirement. There's no lawyer going to show up and say, actually, you need to stand still and let that zombie eat your brain. That, that never has to happen. We are not debtors to sin in Christ. We're freed from sin. So he says, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And I'm taking the deeds of the body to be synonymous with the old self, to be synonymous with acting in the flesh, to be synonymous with sinning. Let's be careful here. Paul does not say that we are in debt to God. Why? Because our salvation is a free gift. It's not a debt. It's a free gift. And he doesn't want us shuffling around going, oh, I'm, I'm saved now, and it's like a million dollars of debt, and I'm never going to be able to pay this off because first I've got to pay the car, and then I've got to pay the house, and then I've got to buy some groceries, and then Jackie needs another date, and once that's all done, i got nothing. I can never pay God back, and oh, I'm going to spend an eternity just feeling guilty because he saved me. You're not in debt to the Lord. It's a free gift to be free. It's a free gift to live forever. It's a free gift to salvation. However, there is kind of a right way to respond to this. And that's what Scripture is getting at. When you go to buy a car and you sign a piece of paper saying, I will pay you $17,000 every two days for the rest of my life, whatever it ends up being, hopefully that would be a, like a Bugatti or something really nice if you're going to shell out like that. But there, the, the right thing to do is to pay off that, that, that debt. And what Paul is saying is there's a right way to respond to what Christ has done for you. To unite you with Christ, to forgive your sins, to give you the Spirit. The right way to respond is to kill your sin. To resist it, to fight against it, to weaken it, to, to, to resist it so that you're not being controlled by it. And that's what he's getting at. We are, as Christians, we must be putting sin to death by the Spirit of our Father. Number one, because we have a new self. Number two, because it's the right thing to do or we have an obligation. Number three, because we'll live. Because we'll live. Okay, so this is, this is a truth. The Bible does not have any room in its thinking for someone being saved in Jesus Christ, forgiven of their sins, born again, and filled with the Spirit, and there being no change at all when it comes to your relationship to sin. The Bible does not have even the beginning of this attitude of like, I'm saved, I'm set free, I've got a new heart and a new life, and I'm filled with the Spirit, but I'm going to live exactly like I have been for the last 10 years for the rest of my life and nothing will change. The Bible doesn't have a spot in its thinking for that. It thinks if it's true, if it's true that you're born again, you'll be born again. If it's true that you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to start producing 
spiritual fruit. If this is true, then there are effects. If you take your car into the shop and you've got a bad engine and it goes, blah, 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 and you know, it shoots out orange slime and you have no idea where it comes from because there is no orange slime in your car to start off with, let alone orange slime to shoot out the back. If that is happening and then it's in there for a week and then you come out and the mechanics like totally fixed it and you turn it over, blah, 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 orange slime coming out the back, do you pay the bill? No, because you're like, I don't think you did anything, right? I, I don't think, nothing's, nothing's different, so nothing happened. And so the scripture thinks that. If God has saved you, something's going to change. And over time, things will change. And I'm, that's not to say, like, stress out about a current sin. It is saying, though, that if you are born again and you have a new you, it is going to shine through. And if nothing changes, then nothing's changed. Seen over time, over the long haul, not on your worst day, making the judgment whether you're saved or not. But more so, I think as, if you think about it, you will see that your daily life in Christ, your daily joy, your daily peace, your daily confidence, your daily assurance is bound up with a growing freedom from the bondages and sins that are in your life. And that your ongoing discouragement and ongoing err has to do with ongoing defeatedness before sin. This is just a reality. If we're growing in grace, growing in freedom, growing in purity, growing in holiness, there is a lot more joy and peace in our life than if we're feeling constantly defeated. Isn't this true? And so Paul is saying, if by the Spirit, not on your own, not by some legalism, not by your own works, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is a promise. Well, what happens if I start putting to death my sins and start fighting with the Spirit? Will I still maybe die? No, 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 no. If you fight by the Spirit your sins, you will live. That's a promise of God. That's a promise of God. Is the fighting messy? It's really messy. Is it painful sometimes? You better believe it. Will you live if you're about the business of fighting your sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. We must be putting sin to death by the Spirit of our Father. Number one, because we have a new self. Number two, because it's the right thing to do. Number three, because we will live. And number four, because this is where the Spirit is taking us. This is where He leads us. Romans 8 says this, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So he unites being led by the Spirit with being God's child. Is there anybody who's God's true child if they're not truly led by the Spirit? The Bible doesn't have a way of thinking like that. If you're a son or daughter of God, you are, the Spirit is in your life to lead you. Will the Spirit ever lead you to sin? No, never. Ever. Galatians chapter 5 says that the spirit is against the flesh and the flesh is against the spirit. They are two mortal enemies. The spirit hates the flesh and the flesh hates the spirit and they are in the knockdown, drag them out, world war, every number of all time, the spirit is against the flesh and he is summoning each one of us, join my team, be on my side. Don't be part of the Axis powers, be one of the allies. Fight with me as I fight the flesh, he says. 
And the Spirit leads us into battle against the flesh. And guess what? There is no peace treaty ever going to happen between sin and the Spirit. There's no compromise. They never sit down and say, well, I'll give you this if you give me that, and we can draw a line here, and then we'll have a demilitarized zone, or we'll have a place where, you know, there's like an international waters where you can go freely. It's total war. The Spirit is summoning all of His power, all of His resources, every part of His infinite personality to destroy the flesh. And He says, this is where I'm leading you. This is where I'm leading you because you're a child of God. No peace with sin. No compromise with sin. I'm leading you to total victory. And finally, we need to be killing our sin by the Spirit of our Father because we are true children of God. When Paul calls us to be fighting our sin or putting to death the misdeeds of the body so that we can live, the way he describes the Spirit doing the work is by convincing us that God is our Father. It's really kind of a bit of a curveball, and I want you to see this. I want you to see this, okay? He's not saying, put your sin to death by the power of a massive guilt trip. Put your sin to death by the power of shame, 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 shame. He says this, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. First reference. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. Second reference. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Third reference. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Fourth reference. And if children, fifth reference. Then heirs. Heirs of God. Sixth reference, if I can count it like that. And fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. So when the Spirit is on the move in your life to destroy sin, do you know what he's telling you? God's your dad. You don't need to do that. God is your father. You don't need to go there. God is your infinite father of love and provision. You don't need what those people are telling you to get. God is your dad and he's promised to give you the entire universe with Jesus Christ. You don't need to obey that impulse. That flesh is a liar. Wants to make you a slave wants to make you feel like an orphan. You don't need to go there. That's what the Spirit does. When He comes to empower us to resist sin, He comes and He says, Who's your dad? God's your dad. God's your dad. God's your dad. Why are you just standing there? Start crying out. Say, Father. Don't just say, God, help me. Say, Dad, help me. Dad, help me. Abba, 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 Abba. And the Spirit knows that in our souls, believing that the Father really, really loves us is like one of the last things we want to do. And so he goes exactly where we need for real freedom. 
God's your dad. God's your dad. He's your dad. He loves you. He wants you. He bought you with the price of his son's own blood. He's your dad. He loves you. You don't need to go to sin. You don't need to go there. You don't need to do that. You can be free. He's here to set you free. He's giving you the death of Christ so you can die to sin. He's giving you the life of Christ so you can live to God. He's giving you the Holy Spirit so that you have supernatural, unlimited, divine power to overcome everything God's called you to overcome and do everything God's called you to do. You are not alone in this. There's Jesus. There's the Spirit. And there is your infinite loving father who has chosen you to be with him forever you're his child you don't need to get eaten up by the flesh zombie you're a child of god and that's why it's so important that we fight the flesh because the flesh wants to say no you're not whenever people give into the flesh they're saying god's not my dad that's why i need to do this god doesn't love me that's why i need to go there Don't you want to hate the flesh? Oh, God. Christian, don't you want to hate the flesh who comes to tell you that God is not your dad? And that you're not justified freely by grace through faith. Don't you want to just get rid of that rotting corpse? He's a liar. You guys have been great. Kids, you've been great. I need one more great big haya out of you, okay? So we must be putting sin to death. Yeah! Chop to the throat. You know, if you chop somebody to the throat, you know what they can't do? They can't lie to you for quite a bit. They're like... You might even need to, like, give one of these trach things and so they can breathe. I told you it's messy. I think it's worthwhile to take a few more minutes to talk about how we can really effectively put the misdeeds of the body to death as Christians by the power of the Spirit, by obeying the Spirit, by being led by the Spirit. It's worth a few minutes. Thank you all for your patience. Number one, the Spirit works powerfully through telling the truth. This is like the biggest thing. The Spirit works powerfully when we tell the truth. When we tell the truth about who God is, when we tell the truth about who we are, when we speak God's written word out with faith, I don't, I don't know if there's anything more powerful than that. I know we believe in the Bible here. I don't know if anybody here believes in the Bible too much or speaks it out with enough faith yet. I, I suppose theoretically it would be possible to believe in God's word too much. I have never seen it yet. And I've, I've, I've done a bit of reading in my life but I'm willing to let you try. Speaking God's word of truth out with faith is one of the most powerful things we can do to have the power of the Spirit working in fighting our sin. This is also why the Bible calls us to walk in the light when we have sinned. It's about speaking the truth. It's about being in the truth. Walking in the light is the Bible's call from 1 John to let core people, let trustworthy people know exactly what is going on in our life and to confess our sins. And the scripture promises us if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's about coming into the truth. The spirit only works by truth. The spirit only leads into truth. And the spirit works through obedience. Kevin, does the spirit work by obedience? Does obedience always feel like the right thing to do? 
No. There's usually, uh, whenever the Spirit leads or whenever Scripture commands, and they're one and the same thing, usually we come down with a case of the yebbets. Have you ever had a case of the yebbets before? Go to one of your kids. Could you go uh, just make your bed? Yeah, but I was going to go and drink some pop. I think it's really important. God says, in Jesus, you are my beloved son. I love you like I love Jesus. And we say, yeah, but you don't know what I did. And yeah, but I don't feel like it. And yeah, but this thing happened. And yeah, but, and we got a case of the yeah, buts. Walking in the light is about dealing with the yeah, buts. Sometimes it involves pastors. Sometimes it involves counselors. Sometimes it involves just good friends. It can also involve working through the past, working through your past, past events, past hurts. Um, I love involving kids and stuff. So let's say one of the kids decided they found a, like a drowned rat in the ditch at our place and they thought this would be a good thing to keep around and who knows what would happen and they just brought it into the basement and then forgot about it like they tend to do with whatever goes into the basement. Now, I don't know that that rat is there. I'm not thinking about it, but does it start to impact my life pretty quickly? Yeah, you bet it does. Maybe about half a day later or a day later. Where, where's that smell coming from? Where are those bugs coming from? I start thinking to myself, the zombie thing was just an analogy. Is there a real zombie in my basement? <laughs> Get the chainsaw. Well, it's just a plug-in hedge trimmer. That'll work. What about a weed whacker? Is it a steel? Um, just because we haven't thought recently about something, just because we haven't looked to see what's down there, doesn't mean there isn't something impacting our life. Part of walking in the light is saying, God, show me what's really going on. There's things in here that seem to be dominating my thought process that I, I don't know why they're there. Help me come into the light. The Spirit works through worship, praise, thankfulness, prayer, and fasting. The Spirit works through strategic obedience. Are, are you greedy? Are you worried about giving? Then give. You don't, you're worried about money? Give. You stress out about finances? Give. Give in the Spirit. Give because you're God's child. Give because He will take care of you. It's strategic obedience. It's sinning against sin. It's disobeying disobedience. He works by repentance and action. The Old Testament, which gets a bad rap sometimes, but there's lots of wisdom in there, it said if you steal something from somebody, when you, when you get caught, don't just say, I'm sorry for stealing, and then keep the goat. Don't just say, well, I already turned it into goat jerky, so can we just call it even? It said if you, get caught, if you repent for your stealing, go with four times what you stole and really make it up to them. And that's repentance in action. It's like, oh, I'm convinced, convinced I'm sinned. God, would you help me to really walk out my repentance, being led by the Holy Spirit because I am your son. And we'll call it quits there. But this is what I want to end on. Dave, you can come up. And Do you want the team to come up for worship? Okay, so the team can come up. There is nothing about the fight of sin that is ever supposed to make you feel distant from God. Fighting sin is by the Spirit, the Spirit that lives in you, the Spirit is leading you, the Spirit that loves you. All fighting of sin is by the Spirit, and all fighting the sin is in Jesus. You can do it because you're in Jesus, because He died for you, and He loves you, and He's for you. And all fighting of sin is about the Father's love. It's all about calling you closer to Him and calling you to know who He is and calling you to get free from all these things you believe that keep you distant from Him. 
I'm calling you into relationship with God. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would lead us in this, this call to fight, to rage a constant war for the rest of our life until we see you face to face. Amen.